Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. You're listening to Linux in the Ham Shack. LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source and amateur radio for everyone. Now here are your hosts, Russ, K5TUX, Cheryl, W5MOO, and Bill, NE4RD. Well, hello and welcome everybody. You have tuned into the most terrific amateur radio podcast on the internet, and we are Recording episode number 275 of Linux in the Ham Shack. And I am Russ, K5TUX. I'm Cheryl, W5MOO. And I'm Bill, NE4RD. All right, so this will be our Weekender Edition, which is when we talk about upcoming contests, open source events, special event stations, and then we jump right into fun stuff that we call hedonism, food and wine and song and all of that great things that make life worth living after you've worked Estonia on 80 meters. All right. So, <laughs> um, so the first thing we usually talk about on our weekender, there are contests that are coming up and I've got a couple in here for this coming week. Uh, the first is the BART G, which is the British amateur radio tele, it's not graph. What is a tele? Oh, I thought I would remember the word, but anyway. Uh, tell us something group HF Ritty contest. So as you can probably guess from the title, this is a Ritty only contest. You can work it on 80 through 10 meters. No work bands, of course. This will be running from 0200 Zulu on March 16th through 0200 Zulu on March 18th. And the description of this is a 48-hour contest with the emphasis on accuracy. The BART-G HF Ritty Contest is the longest-running Ritty Contest, and it forms round two of the four contest series for the single operator championship of the BART-G, which I still can't remember what the T word is. Somebody should have been looking. Don says Telefunken. Telefunken? <laughs> Their website's down. <laughs> it's, oh, jeez, that figures. Um, it, it's, it's not... They didn't pay their internet bill. <laughs> yeah, it's like Tele... Jeez. Oh, Teletype? Tele, is it teletype? I don't think that doesn't sound right. Telecommunications? No, it's not. It's, it's not one of the words you think it should be. That's the thing. Teledata. Teledata. That's it. Thank you. Yeah, apparently the page is only down for Bill because it's up for me. All right. So anyway, I, I knew I was going to forget that word. But anyway. It just came back. Yeah. British Amateur Radio <laughs> Teledata Group. So there you go. Uh, and also, we have the Russian DX contest. This is operating on 160 through 10 meters. No work bands, of course. Modes available are CW and single sideband. This is running from 1200 Zulu on March 16th through 1200 Zulu on March 17th. And the RDXC contest committee invites all radio amateurs from Russia and foreign countries to take part in the 26th Russian DX contest which has become one of the most popular contests in the world. So saith them. And of course, a link to that contest and all the rules and everything else will be in the show notes. So who wants to hit next week's contests? Bill. 
Okay. <laughs> Bill's just been nominated. So there you go, Bill. <laughs> so next week we have the big, awesome UK Ireland CWDX contest. I've actually never heard of it, but whatever. Uh, it'll be operating from March 23rd, 1200 Zulu to March 24th, 1200 Zulu. It's obviously CW and it'll be on 80 through 10. No work. And the description of the contest is the aim of these contests is to promote contacts between stations in the UK and Ireland and stations in the rest of the world, DX. All UK and EI contesters, including those with modest stations and antennas, will experience the fun, the absolute greatest fun in the world of being, <laughs> being a multiplier for being a multiplier in a worldwide contest. Not like CQ Worldwide was not just the other day. Anyway, <laughs> uh, there <laughs> there are long periods in the 24 hours when DX stations cannot work UK and EI stations because they're like drinking tea or something like that <laughs> uh, because there's no propagation. So all the entrants can work all other entrants for QSO points and multipliers. And that came to us from the UK EICC. And that means something Probably the UK and Ireland communication commission something. or something. Commission. Teledata. Yeah. That's it. There's no T in <laughs> there, but we'll call it teledata. All right. It's tele, teledyne or something. There you go. Anyway. Um, also, we have a, yeah, Skynet. <laughs> <laughs> also, we have a sprint. We have a North America single sideband sprint is operating on March 24th from zero Zulu to zero 400 Zulu. Those are those short sprints, four hours to get it done. Frequencies are 80, 40, and 20, and, of course, it's single sideband. And uh, the North American sprints are short, intense competitions, which challenge the best operators while allowing others to sharpen their skills, lasting only for four hours and using only the 80, 40, 20 meter bands. These contests demand that, uh, that participants be on their toes at all times. The sprint's unique QSY requirements eliminate the, the usual approach in many contests of dominating stations sitting on one frequency and running others. These are contests of constant motion. So I don't know if you've ever worked a sprint before, but uh, so you call CQ, you work somebody, and that somebody gets your frequency to call CQ on, and you have to QSY. So as <laughs> <laughs> you're always moving the dial, so it's it's kind of an interesting uh, interesting contest because yeah, you can't sit in one place. You are always searching and pouncing. Uh, but you always get two QSOs on the same frequency before you have to move. So it's a, uh, it's, it's kind of fun. And the, 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 all the sprints sort of work in the same way, uh, like that. So, uh, if you, if you want something interesting and different, you should really try out these sprints. A, there's not a lot of time commitment and B, B, they're kind of fun. You know, you just, you're in and out, you're done. Yeah. Very cool. It does sound like an interesting style of contest where you're not just being overpowered by a thousand watt multi-op station. That's just taking over the band so all right did you 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 pulled the mic in front of your face so you're going to do the next one no oh <laughs> <laughs> sorry i wasn't chomping on a potato chip thing oh so. i see i see all right so those are the contests we have lined up over the next couple of weeks uh, i also found some special event stations we can talk about that are coming up in the next couple of weeks the first one is a commemoration of the baton death march uh the call sign for this special event station will be november 5 bravo lima uh their specified operating frequencies will be 14.247.25 and 146.52 on vhf this is running from march 15th through the 18th uh 1800 zulu to 1800 zulu on all of those days uh ham camp for baton memorial death march at white sands missile range 
they'll be operating on FT8 as well. There won't be any QSLs uh, for getting a contact on FT8, but there will be QSLs available for operating under normal modes and also on PSK31. Uh, and they've uh, specified 14.74 and 7.74, uh, not 7.74, but I assume 14.74 for, uh, for FT8 and 14.700 for PSK31. So if you want to get a uh, card for that, the Baton Death March commemoration, links will be in the show notes for where you can find out more information. Uh, and as is to be expected, there's a St. Patrick's Day special event station. The call sign for that is Golf Bravo 1, Sierra Papa Delta, St. Patrick's Day. To be operating on 18.12, 14.225, 7.15, and 3.725. It's going to run from 0930 Zulu to 1800 Zulu on March 16th and 1000 uh, Zulu, I guess, to 1600 Zulu on March 17th. Uh, the West Tyrone Amateur Radio Club, which is based in Omaha <laughs> County, Tyrone, North Ireland, are running a special event station to celebrate St. Patrick's Day. And depending on band conditions, the club will be operation on the following bands. 172040 and a CW on 20. Also be operating PSK 31 and FT8 on two meters and on Echolink. So they'll be everywhere. QSL contact <clears throat> or QSL cards will be available for all contacts. So they got uh, GB1 SBD. So that's like Green Beer 1 St. Patrick's, St. Patrick's Day. Day. Yeah. That's awesome. Green Beer 1. <laughs> <laughs> So there you go. That that will probably be a cool QSL card. So check that out from the 16th and the 17th. And then finally, we have the Cherry Blossom Festival special event. This is out of Macon, Georgia, to commemorate the International Cherry Blossom Festival in that part of the world. Call sign for this will be November 4, Bravo, Kilo, Mike. Frequency is 14.24 and 7.225. It's running from 1400 Zulu to 2000 Zulu on March 23rd. So a very short opportunity to get in on this one. And a link, of course, will be in the show notes to the contest and also to the International Cherry Blossom Festival, if you want to check out what's going on down in Macon, Georgia. There you go. So we have announcements now that we've talked about some amateur radio stuff. Actually, quite a few announcements here that I see. Uh, The first one is we are still looking for topics for deep dive episodes. We have received a few very good suggestions. They have gone into our list, and we will be discussing those in upcoming episodes. Uh, But we would always welcome more suggestions. So if you have an idea for a deep dive topic, something you really want us to get down into and dig up as much information as we possibly can about, whether it be an amateur radio topic or an open source topic, we would love to hear your suggestions, and we will do our best to put out a decent episode about those suggestions. So please keep sending them in. We also have our Hamvention 2019 campaign. It's up on GoFundMe. Links are kind of everywhere. I'm posting them occasionally on the social media networks so that everybody knows where they can find them. Uh, the URL is url.bcts.info slash hvc2019. Uh, so if you have... $5 or $10, we would certainly appreciate a donation that will help get us to Hamvention in 2019. It's actually coming up pretty quickly now. It's only a little over two months away. It's hard, kind of hard to believe it's getting here that quickly. Yeah. Um, but we'd like to recognize the people who have already donated to the campaign. We have Don Gover, Don Rhodes, Mike Johnson, Corey Shields, Steve Saner, Rich Harover, Maria Myers, Christopher Pakulski, and my mother donate. Oh, that's the professor. Why did you put Edward Woodman? 
Oh shit. <laughs> Cause I had your mother on my mind. Oh boy. Because I'm pretty sure your mother didn't <laughs> donate. Yes, that's why I asked. I was like, holy crap. <laughs> Sorry. She doesn't even know what we're doing here. So I mean <laughs> She doesn't Ed even Matthews. know who you are half the time. <laughs> yeah. All right. Be Edward Matthews. Edward Matthews. Yeah. Yes, I'll go ahead and put sorry, Matthews I, in there. Yeah, right. sorry. I, it's I Edward Ma- he's a PhD, right? Edward Matthews, yes. PhD? Yeah, yeah, Dr. Edward Matthews. The doctor of Computer Sciences. That's right. So there you go. So thanks to everybody who's donated and everybody else. Please donate if you can. If you can't, just share share out the wazoo on Facebook and Twitter and any other social media network you're a part of uh, in your social circle, in your you know coffee group at McDonald's on Saturdays or wherever it is, just please share. Uh, we can use all the support to get out to Ham Mention. We're a fourth of the way there. We are. Uh, I've also been kind of pushing the uh, ads on the right-hand column of the homepage because that's just something that if you happen to go to our homepage, you can click on. doesn't cost you anything, just a little bit of time. And we finally did cross our uh, distribution threshold, so we will be getting a disbursement from Google AdSense. So I want to thank everybody who clicked on those ads and put us over the top that will actually go into the hamvention fund as well and that will help us out immensely so thanks everybody for that um i want to make sure that people subscribe to the youtube channel if you haven't already we're up to 270 subscribers over there uh bill's series on installing ubuntu on a computer is still far and away our best stuff uh but we're hoping to put some more content out there well, Bill's going to put content of skiing and installing Linux <laughs> yeah. at the it's, same time. Installing Libra uh, phone, right? Libra Pure yeah, phone go. or something. <laughs> <laughs> While he just I'm bought a GoPro. Yeah, you just bought a right. GoPro to do that with. So <laughs> There you go. So uh, just remember the YouTube channel's out there. Just look for Linux in the Ham Shack and subscribe if you get a chance. Uh, we also have a thousand twitter followers contest we haven't decided what we're going to be giving away for that it will be open to anybody who is actually a twitter subscriber of ours once we cross that 1000 threshold we are at last check at 959 so we lost one it's 958 now <laughs> oh it's 958 okay apparently they listened to this episode yeah. uh, <laughs> come on so you guys can follow lhs podcast i mean i have 2007 followers and i'm nobody <laughs> yeah russ has exactly. like what 1300 1400 followers uh, yes something like that yeah so like between all of us there's there's enough crossover that you can follow lhs podcast so just do it just go ahead and hit yeah. the follow button it's, we don't post that much we only post when we're actually on the air so you're not going to get spammed like some right. accounts out there <laughs> <laughs> we won't we'll mention uh, right. any of those everything in radio and uh, something like that um so yeah we will not spam your accounts we will not sell you anything um except for hamvention we'll sell you little discs or something like that uh, <laughs> um but yeah yeah follow us it's 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 so easy i'm kind of thinking i'm kind of thinking in the back of my head this might be craziness and i probably shouldn't say it out loud but i'm about to Uh-oh. that if we actually get to our thousand dollar donation level that we've set at gofundme that we will not charge for the distros. We'll just give them away. Wow. Well, it's not like we charge a lot. We charge enough to cover the cost of the disc. <laughs> yeah, but, <laughs> but, but we won't even do that. We'll just give them away. If someone comes up and wants a distro, we'll just give it to them. Yep. Donation. But we only. have to get to the we have to get to the thousand dollars. Okay. There you go. Everybody. All right, people, gotta do it. 
pony up. So. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, if we get to the thousand dollars, I'll even do this. First, we'll, we'll give it, if we get to there, we'll we'll give away you know whatever DVDs we have, however many we bring, and we'll also have ten of the USB thumb drives. There'll be at least sixteen gig USB three thumb drives, and the first ten people that ask for those, we'll give those away too. Uh, we should give a we should do a password about that. Well, we'll 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 we'll, we'll work that out. Yeah, we'll later. work that out. Yeah. But the first ten, if we we'll get put to it on Twitter, level, <laughs> right? <laughs> exactly. You'll have to get it from Twitter. Yeah, you have to get the password from Twitter. Right. There'll be a special something, but the first ten that we have, you'll be able to get for free. And we normally we normally charge twenty bucks for those. Actually, you should do it. You should do like the the whiskey thing that you did a few weeks ago. Where they announced it in a YouTube video. Oh yeah, we could do that. Yeah, so you have to get the password from the YouTube video. Hey, so there's an idea. Yep. All right, so stay tuned for more information about that. But we'll we definitely want to try and get up to that thousand dollar level. That will really help us, you know, nail down the finances for Hambenchen. So all right, enough about Hambenchen. <laughs> all right. Uh, we do have one other thing that I want to announce: the Ors Ham Fest. That's the one right here where we are, which is in Mount Vernon, Missouri. That'll be coming up on March 23rd. So um, when this comes out, not not this weekend, but the next one, um, uh, I, I will be March 23rd. We're not going to be actually set up there this time, but I will be doing a forum on Linux and the Ham Shack. So if for some reason you happen to be in this area, Southwest Missouri, you know, feel free to stop by. I think my forum is going to be at. So that's not really confirmed. Uh, but if you're here, check it out. We'll, we'll be there probably a little bit of the day, maybe long enough to see if we win something in a raffle. Who knows? And I might buy something. What the hell? <laughs> anyway, it's a ham fest, right? So uh, you got to buy something, right? You got to make it worthwhile. Right. Exactly. Come home with that, you know, $800 microphone that you know, paid 50 <laughs> bucks for, but because it costs you so much to drive there and back, right? Yeah. yeah. And Bob Heil is going to be there too, so I could buy something really overpriced. Uh, well, go. last year I should go this year because last year I won what like three or four things in the drawing. Yeah, nothing, not like the huge things, but you no, did win yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, I got like a hat and a cup, and yeah, right, so. right. Yeah, every time I turn around, they're like Cheryl Jones, and Russell's like, "What? They haven't called my name once, and you've got this pile of stuff on the table." I'm like, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> next next time, just make sure you win the IC seventy three hundred. Then we'll be all set. I so. do. I'll try. All right. <laughs> All right. So anyway, the Oris Ham Fest uh, is from the uh, Whiskey Zero OAR group. Uh, they're out of Aurora, and a link, of course, to the Ham Fest will be in the show notes. So. Aurora, Missouri. Aurora, Missouri. Yeah. What did I say? You just said Aurora. Oh, sorry, Aurora, Missouri. Right. So there we go. There's there's all the announcements. There you go. All right. So uh, I threw in here a LHS Ham Radio challenge for this uh, upcoming fortnight, and that would be. Attempt to locate the LHS co-host QSL cards on the last man standing wall of shame. So there we go. The thing is, I don't know that they zoom in on the cards well enough um, to identify them. We might need to describe our cards a little bit. Well, if you want to, we know. Let's see. Bill Bill's is um, it's like mostly blue with red lettering. It says NE4RD, and it's on the wall of shame, sort of in the upper left. Right. It's actually um, mostly yellowish with a blue sky. Yellow, okay, right. Yeah. So it's like a horizon shot of brown Montana with a blue sky. So <laughs> it's on the upper left hand side when you get look at it from the camera. Um, right. I and forget who just, I'm next to. Ours just recently showed up, and we mine is a picture of a lightning strike over water. 
So it's mostly dark with some like blue. white flashes. Yeah, mostly dark blue purple with white flashes. And it has my call sign in the lower right. And Cheryl's is a picture of a cow with like grass and a white sky with a picket sign that says W5MOO on it. And we are both down in the lower right hand corner. Yeah, bottom bottom row currently next to Tom Medlin's card. So right. So I would just say, hey, give Last Man Standing a watch and uh, see if you can spot our QSL cards there. And actually, we've been sort of binge watching it because we have to start like way back at season one. Uh, We actually are about a couple of episodes into season two at this point. So uh, we're trying to catch up. But there you go. Check out Last Man Standing, Mike Baxter and all of that stuff. So and if you get really ambitious, try and contact uh, their actual station. Yeah, they, which, they announce on Facebook when they're going to operate. Yeah, so. they they uh, they operate or they announce it under the Mike Baxter um, persona on Facebook, and they usually post a couple of times a week about where what they're doing, where they're at, or where they're going to try to be at. Apparently, sometimes they run into interference. Um, and then, um, if you, I believe the deal is if you give them a QSL card then they'll send you one back or maybe just send them an envelope or something it, it says when they when they start advertising that they're on the air so there you go all right so let's see where are we i had to jump down and check. Uh, distros to try oh the distros to try right so we're going to move on to this weekend in open source and we're going to talk about distros to try if you listen to episode number 274 you got a little bit of an education on extant os or xtix uh because bill talked about it a little bit uh, I got this interesting, I found one site that mentions XTix. I'm not sure if this is official or not, but their little blurb at the top was pretty funny, so I'm going to read it. It says, we tell people we use Linux because it's secure or because it's free, because it's customizable, because it's free, the other meaning, because it has excellent community support. But all of that is just marketing bullshit. We tell that <laughs> to non-Linuxers because they wouldn't understand the real reason. And when we say those false reasons enough, we might even start to believe them ourselves. But deep underneath, the real reason remains. We use Linux because it's fun. So that's that's a little blurb on Exton OS. Uh, Exton OS is based on Ubuntu 64-bit and Debian. Uh, ISO files are ISO hybrids, which means that they can very easily be transferred to a USB pen drive. You can even run XOS from the USB stick and save all your system changes on the stick, meaning you'll enjoy persistence. Uh, all X and Linux distributions are hosted by the Swedish Linux Society. There are 16 of them available, which can be downloaded from the Swedish Linux Society, from SourceForge, or from Softpedia. So, uh, do you want to say anything else about XTix Bill, or do you just want to leave it and refer people back to 274? Yeah, the latest version is uh, the 19.3, and it's based on 19.04, um, Disco Dingo. So check it out. It's it's not bad. It's pretty interesting. All right, so that's our distro to try for this fortnight. You want to try it out? It is actually pretty functional. Bill did find one caveat that it boots up to a command prompt, and that if you're not aware what to do at that point, simply type start X, and the rest should make sense to you. So coming up in open source events, I found a couple we can talk about. The first one is Postgres Conf 2019. This one will be coming to New York, New York in the United States. It goes from March 18th through the 22nd. And this is the eighth annual Postgres Conf, which will be held at the Sheraton New York Times Square in Manhattan. 
Uh, Postgres Comp features the largest and most diverse class of Postgres professionals and companies in the world, conveying the preeminent people Postgres data experience through five full days of educational content. This nonprofit conference includes Postgres and open source related tutorials, trainings, breakout sessions, summits, career fair, speed mentoring, and more. And a link to Postgres Comp will be in the show notes. So check that out if you want to learn about Postgres and other open source topics. Speed mentoring, like speed dating, you get like two minutes to find out about Postgres. Here's like the three things you need to know. Right. Yeah. I have no idea. Uh, yeah. I'd, Select I'd star never, from next. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had never heard of that before. So I was like, huh. Okay. Uh, maybe you should attend Postgres Comp and find out what speed mentoring is. Great procedure. Sure. Up next. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and <clears throat> next. <laughs> Differences between scalar and table. Oh, next. <laughs> <laughs> uh fine i don't see how that's gonna work. put together a youtube skit on speed mentoring of postgres that would actually be kind of funny all right so uh coming up next week there's a couple of things that i marked down here the first one is the linux audio conference bill might want to go to this i mean stanford's not too far away from you right yeah. <laughs> down the street. i am going to linux fest northwest just as an FYI. Ah, very cool. So, I thought, yeah. Isn't that already done? Oh, no, no, it's scale. Scale's already done. Scale just uh, got finished up, yeah. And Linux Fest Northwest yeah. is next month. So Next month. All right. So, yeah, we'll, we'll be talking about Linux Fest Northwest probably in the next episode. So uh, the next weekend or anyway. Um, so Linux Audio Conference in Stanford, California from March 23rd to the Mar- uh, March 26th, 2019. And after seven years outside of the United States, the Linux Audio Conference is coming back to Stanford University for its 17th edition. LAC is the international conference about free and open source software for music, sound, and other media with the new Linux as the main platform. So that sounds pretty cool. Uh, link, of course, to the conference will be in the show notes. And then I also found Libre Planet. This is going to be in Boston, Massachusetts from March 23rd to the 24th. Uh, Libre Planet is an annual conference hosted by the Free Software Foundation for free software enthusiasts. There's a lot of free software. And free, anyone free, who free. Cares about, free, free, free. <laughs> anyone who cares about the intersection of technology and social justice. Libre Planet brings together software developers, law and policy experts, activists, students, and computer users to learn skills, celebrate free software accomplishments, face challenges to software freedom. Newcomers are always welcome, and Libre Planet 2019 will feature programming for all ages and experience levels. So check out Experience Libre Planet. What? So I found out about speed mentoring. Oh, uh, what's speed mentoring? Well, apparently it's a five to eight minute session with individual people, and like person one knows about X, about, you know, I guess you just work your way through. Person one knows about part one of postgres or whatever like once one topic of postgres two knows about another topic and that you know you can go to, to person one ask them specific questions does that make sense it kind of does I, i'd be interested to see what it looks like in practice yeah so it's using a brief document as a focal point and apparently there's specific things outlined in this document and each person like person one handles section one two handles two you know, and you get five to eight minutes, I guess, to ask questions about the topics that that person, you know, about that one specific area. Sounds like a crock of shit to me. But. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I looked it up to see what it was. No, there no, I'm sure, I'm, I'm sure that's a real thing. It doesn't sound like much of a way to actually learn anything. Right. 
I mean, but, if you like have never heard of like Stack Overflow or something like that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe to get a thirty thousand foot view, it would be useful. But yeah, I mean, like, are they gonna? I mean, how 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 are they gonna like really analyze what uh, your question means in the big picture? I don't know. Hey, yeah. anything you could do to spread the knowledge is probably fine. So <laughs> I'm I would, sure I would it's like perfect. to see a, a session in practice, though, to see what it really is like. Right. Yeah. Well, it, you know, and I, I can I can see where it would be beneficial. You would have to know something about what you're going in. You would have to know something about, for instance, Postgres. But, you know, maybe you've got a question about one one area right. that you don't quite get. So, you know, you have to figure out which as, as which a tool, person. Right. As a tool for a quasi-experienced user of a particular thing, it might be useful. But as as something as something introductory i don't see it being beneficial um, well it well it, i i'm trying to like think about this in the aspect of like cake decorating yeah would it work in something like a cake decorating class and no not how you really. do a flower this is how you do well right letters. But a lot of, right but the thing is it's like for instance in doing a flower that's a time-consuming explanation i don't know that you could do that in five to eight minutes you could probably show them how to do a really crappy flower in five to eight minutes, but you know, well, but yeah, I guess it's just crappy learning. Well, right. <laughs> but I can understand like, you know, making the icing, baking the cake, making flowers, decorating the cake. I, I can kind of get breaking it up into individual topics like that, but I still don't think five to eight minutes would be terribly beneficial. And I don't know that it would be beneficial in programming or anything else either. I guess if you have a specific question, you might be able to get that answered in five to eight minutes. But I couldn't walk in to learn about Postgres and a speed mentoring no, that's because exactly I'd still be lost. Yeah, Right. It, it, for somebody who already knows something about Postgres and needs to learn a specific feature or something, then it might be useful. But somebody who's actually trying to learn Postgres from the ground up, nope. I can't see it being no, useful. I, yeah, I don't. Yeah. You would learn more. It, well, you would learn. You would you'd be given information that would probably cause you to have even more questions so yeah i don't, I don't know that that would it's you know. a pretty spendy conference too i was just looking at the registration for it it's like holy cow <laughs> there aren't many conferences that aren't spendy really <laughs> anymore so um, yeah some of russ's some of the conferences that russ has attended in the past are you know with hotel and yeah, conference fees ten thousand yeah. dollars well yeah, there was so. um sans uh security whatever it is uh group when when those conferences when those five-day conferences actually well they're either five or six i don't remember what they were but when those conferences started pushing the five thousand dollar mark for tuition i basically said no nope <laughs> <laughs> not doing those anymore so i i mean i couldn't even try and i couldn't even feel good about trying to convince work to send me to those anymore i mean because it's just you're not getting well that. they sent you to a few of them yeah but then... they weren't that expensive then right once once they got towards that mark i just said yeah th this just isn't worth it anymore <laughs> yeah sans 2019 which they're you know cybersecurity, is a seven-day course april 1st to the 8th in orlando and the price barding, um is that in orlando so the gayler palms no, it's no. usually at Disney World. Yeah, it? it's usually somewhere on Disney. Yeah. 
I mean, that's, that's right. That's by where Disney we. Too. Yeah, the last time we went, we stayed at Swan and Dolphin at Disney. Um, the base price is sixty six hundred dollars. Yeah, that's I mean ridiculous. that is just getting ludicrous. <laughs> All right, enough about that. Uh, let's move on. Lo- uh, the LHS Open Source Challenge for this fortnight is try building an amateur radio application from source, even if you're already using a package version. I brought this up because you know K Log is uh, several revs behind in the package repos. So if you want to try and use 0971, you're probably going to have to build it from source at least right now. So, you know, what the heck? Just try building it from source, even if you're already using it for something else. If nothing else, just for the experience of building something from source. So there you go. And then let's move on to the good stuff. We're talking about hedonism and we'll jump right into food. So Cheryl's going to tell us about um, food that you probably shouldn't eat, but it's oh so good. Is it oh so good? <laughs> it is oh so good. Okay. So, yes, this week uh, for my recipe, um, I would like to let everybody know that Russ loves meatloaf. Cheryl was not a fan until I found this recipe and I did some tweaking on it. So I think Russ may not touch usual meatloaf from this point on. Uh, he shrugged. So I guess it's an iffy thing. Maybe if it's mo- it's his mom's meatloaf. Yeah, mom's meatloaf is okay. All right. So anyway, my, my recipe this week is for my killer meatloaf and it involves hamburger, obviously crackers um and by the way killer in this case does not is not the euphemism for something excellent it, it's literally deadly yeah, you're, yeah it's literally <laughs> deadly yeah <laughs> um you need crushed crackers you can use ritz or something like that i actually use cheese it's in mine uh shredded cheddar cheese minced onion egg ketchup uh steak sauce barbecue sauce worcestershire whichever you like i personally use worcestershire bacon and you need a couple of slices of bread to go under your meatloaf to soak up that grease. If you have a dog in the house, they will rip your hand off for that bread after it's done. We know from experience. Uh, so anyway, um, you mix all this stuff up. I'll let you get the show notes in order to get the whole recipe. Mix everything up. Put it in your pan on top of your um, bread. Lay the raw bacon on top of your meatloaf. And then... You put a glaze on top of it that is brown sugar, sandwich mustard, and ketchup. Uh, and you put that on top of your bacon and you stick that puppy in the oven. Um, and then about halfway through the baking of it, which takes about an hour, you put a little more of the glaze on it. And when you pull it out is a nice, um, crusty glaze on top of nice, crispy bacon and nice, you know, yummy bacon or nice, yeah. yummy meatloaf. Yeah. It's so. really good. Eat, eat a very little bit of it at a time because I think every slice is about 2,600 calories. calories. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if you, if you actually get a chance to eat the bread that's at the bottom of this when it gets done, it's it really will probably too. kill you, but it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. And apparently my brother suggested the other night because he's had my meatloaf before. What I did not realize is he was up at three o'clock in the morning eating a meatloaf sandwich out of it. Um, and when I said I had fixed meatloaf for dairy, he's like, oh, you should tell Russ to have a meatloaf sandwich. So I think Russ is probably having that for dinner tonight because we have, I fixed this a few days ago and we still have a little bit left. Yeah, so. I think you're probably right. So yeah, definitely try the killer meatloaf. Make sure you haven't either eaten for the last three days or you're not on your diet um, yeah. when you make it <laughs> or just plan to spend the next two weeks in the gym. 
So, well, yeah, because you got to work off those calories. Right. <laughs> Uh, but it now, is so nobody said I had to put up healthy recipes. Uh, well, it's a good thing because I'm not sure you ever have. <laughs> I've put up salad and stuff before, so yeah, that's true. All right, so I'm going to get through my whiskey corner or drink corner or whatever we're calling it these days. And today I'm going to review something I bought yesterday, which is the Isaac Bowman uh, Straight Bourbon Whiskey finished in port barrels. Uh, this actually comes. From the, let's see, was it the Arthur Bowman Distillery, which is actually out of Fredericksburg, Virginia. Uh, they're a small, they're like a small batch distillery. They are owned by Sazerac, which is the company that owns Buffalo Trace and Sazerac, of course, and a few other things. Uh, but it's one of the more uh, craft editions put out by Sazerac and they can be kind of hard to find but most of the stores that we went to over the weekend actually had this so it's not terribly um allocated it is available and it's reasonably inexpensive uh, i paid 38.99 for this bottle uh the whiskey itself the isaac bowman straight bourbon whiskey finished in port barrels is aged in new charred american white oak uh, there's no age statement on the bottle, but it's suspected to be approximately five years of aging in the new American oak. And then it's finished in port barrels that originate from Virginia and Portugal, uh, which are made from American and French limousin oak. Uh, the whiskey is aged about six months uh, in the port barrels to give it the little bit of finish that it has. It is unknown what the actual mash bill of the bourbon is, but it is known to be at least 51% corn because it is a straight bourbon whiskey. It's bottled at 92 proof or 46%. Uh, the color on it is basically, it's basically a mahogany color, but it has a slightly like dark reddish tint to it, which is what is pulled out of the port wine uh, casks from the finishing. Uh, the nose on it is actually really very nice. Uh, it has a dark fruit note to it that's very prominent, sort of like a plum or any kind of really dark fruit uh, that's sort of um, really thick, dark, heavy sweetness from a dark fruit. Um, I actually got the smell, the, the sort of um, artificial nose of vanilla wafers. And if you've ever had a vanilla wafer, you know exactly what those smell like and what they taste like. Um, I also got a little hint of milk chocolate, and there's a bit of soft pepper spice on the end of the nose as well. It kind of lingers through the nose and the taste and at the very back of the finish. Uh, the taste on this is like baked bread. It's a kind of a bready, malty note to it, which would suggest that there is some malted grain in there. Uh, you get a dark cherry or plum, again, the dark fruit. Uh, like a fruitcake, like literally the sweetness from a fruitcake. Uh, it can be kind of over-rich at times, but for the most part, it plays well uh, with the overall taste. Uh, and then when that stuff sort of washes over your tongue, you get a little bit of the light oak char and that light pepper spice, which kind of sort of at the back of everything. And the finish is fairly short, but it kind of washes over your tongue really nicely. It uh, gives you that straight bourbon vanilla that you get from most uh, white oak barrel aged spirits. And then you get that little hint of port, which is that dark grape, dark plum, dark sweetness at the end, and the tiny little bit of spice. It doesn't seem particularly 
complex, but it is nicely layered and it does start sweet, washes into oak and becomes spicy on all the nosing and the tasting and right through the finish. So overall, it's a pretty nice bourbon. It's definitely different than most of the bourbons I have in my collection. And for $39, you can really do a whole lot worse. So I would recommend this from, uh, interestingly, a Virginia distillery instead of a Tennessee or Kentucky distillery. And um, I'm going to give it, I couldn't quite get up into the 90s with this, although I kind of am going back and forth between 89 and 90, but I'm going to give it an 89. I think it's really good, just not quite up into A- minus territory. So there you go. That's the Isaac Bowman straight bourbon whiskey finished in port barrels. The mash is made at Buffalo Trace and distilled twice before being shipped to Virginia, whereas it distilled again, barreled and aged. Okay. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing there is they just don't talk about what the mash bill is. Right. Buffalo yeah. Trace doesn't really release much information about their stuff, so. And they rarely actually release stuff. Yeah. So. <laughs> all right, so Bill, who is shockingly drinking an IPA, is going to tell us all about it. <laughs> I can't imagine why. <laughs> yeah, uh, actually, I just ran out, um, but I did have one, about two today. Uh, the Jeremiah Johnson Brewing uh, company uh, Imperial IPA. This is a seven and a half percent ABV uh, IPA, so it's a little bit, a uh, little, little bit uh, on the high side, as an Imperial IPA should be. Seventy-five IBUs, which is you know light for me, but I can handle it. Um, <laughs> the brewer notes that the Imperial IPA is a perfect bridge between Northwest and Northeast styles. It's an in-your-face hop forward beer with balanced bitterness. We use CTZ, Mosaic, and Idaho 7 hops to create a tropical notes of fresh-cut mango and floral flavors, which rounds out the beer with slight haze to a smooth mouth feel. And I think I've done the Jeremiah Johnson, um, I think there was like a Scotch Ale or something like that I did with them uh, not too long ago. Uh, but I found this at uh, a Winco. We have a, a brand new grocery store here in town, and uh, I guess it's a chain from out further west. Uh, called Winco, and they had it uh, on sale for $7.24 for a six-pack, so I bought it, and uh, it was tasty, so I went back and bought another one. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, this is out of Great Falls, Montana. Everything's locally sourced. Everything they could at least get locally sourced, they uh, specifically have on their labeling that, you know, their barley malt comes from four miles away, their honey comes from 28 miles away, and their water comes from four miles away, and it's locally canned. So it's a, it's a good tasting beer. Uh, I'm not sure like how available it is outside of the state of Montana, but uh, if you can find it, it's a it's a worthwhile purchase. All right, very good. That that actually is probably in the range since it's an imperial IPA and it's sort of in the mid 70s. I could probably drink it. Um, <laughs> yeah, you you just don't do well with beer. No, well, I don't do well with IPAs most definitely. Um, other beers I can tolerate much better. Some, yeah. yes. Some, not so much. That's right. Anyway, so that brings us down to the end of the show. We got through all the good stuff, and we're going to have to wrap up now, but we do want to recognize the folks who hung out with us in the chat room. We had Dan, KB6NU, Don, KC9ZMY, Jeremy, KC0NUK, who was uh, here for at least half of the show and then had to go away because he was uh, driving on his way home. But we want to thank him for stopping in. And we also had Ted, W-A-0-E-I-R. So thanks, everybody, for tuning into the show. We really appreciate you and hope to see you all at Hamvention in May of this year. 
two months, basically. Almost two months. Yeah. Well, a little more than two months. Like two months and two days. Two months and, well, yeah, four days, something like that. So hope (laughs) to see everybody there. And with that, we're going to wrap this one up. You have been listening to episode number 275 of Linux in the Hamshack. I'm Russ, K5TUX. I'm Cheryl, W5MOO. And I'm Bill, NE4RD73. Thank you for listening to this episode of Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a community-sponsored podcast. Our website is located at lhspodcast.info. You can support the program by visiting the LHS Patreon page of patreon.com stroke LHS podcast or using the contribute link on the website. Get in touch via social media. The show has a presence on Google+, Facebook, Twitter, Discord and YouTube. Or you can drop an email to info at lhspodcast.info or record a voicemail at 1-909-LHS-SHOW. That's 1-909-547-7469. Visit the IRC channel, LHS Podcast, on the Freenode IRC network. Also visit the online merchandise store at shop.lhspodcast.info for fun and fashionable LHS merchandise. Become an ambassador and represent LHS at a Linux convention or ham fest. Email ambassadors at lhspodcast.info or visit the website for details. The podcast is recorded live every Monday night at 8 o'clock p.m. Central Time. Connect to the stream at stream.blacksparrowmedia.net colon 8008 stroke LHS live. Until next time, over and out. in the ham shack and the linux in the ham shack logo are released under a creative commons attribute non-commercial no derivatives 4.0 international license